believe God uh, is calling us, church, uh, to really stir ourselves up uh, at the moment. Start of a new year generally brings uh, that as a uh, natural connotation, uh, but I believe God is really putting His hand on our lives and just starting to, to lean in and to press in. I want to encourage you to open up to that. I want to encourage you to uh, not start the year just like any other year, but actually really uh, get a little bit desperate and engage with God, because God has something for every single person in their life to be and to do. And I want to encourage you to really lean into Him at the start of this year. Really open up your heart, open up your spirit, open up your mind to the Word of God, to the move of God, to the things of God, and ask God for a fresh revelation. Ask God for a fresh touch. Ask God to minister to you in a fresh way because He wants to. It's relational. It's why He designed us and created us in the first place. He desires that deep level of intimacy with you and I. You know, I believe that the, the uh, hunger that we have shown uh, as a church over the last couple of weeks uh, is something that would excite God. You know, when, when, uh, when we hide from Him, that doesn't excite God. You know, God sometimes hides from us, the Bible says, because He's jealous of us, because He desires our attention. He wants us to, to be searching and seeking so that He's the one that is the most important in our life. But He doesn't want us to hide from Him. He doesn't want us to feel like we have to hide from Him. Church, I believe it's time to stand. I believe we're living in a time where we have to stand. We've got to stand, we've got to rise up, we've got to be the voice, we've got to be the church, we've got to example Jesus to the world around us in a strong, in a bold, in a confident way, but in a life-giving, in a loving way, in a mercy and grace way. Like the way Jesus was received by all of the people in Jerusalem and all the surrounding towns. You know, the people that didn't receive Him struggled with just religious piety and issues of their own relationship with God, but the ones that were willing to recognize, I need God, they met Him, and they got to dine with Him, they got to spend time with Him, they got to follow Him, they were privileged to hear the reasoning and, the, and gain the understanding of the parables that were taught. Like, I want us to be a church that are like those people, that recognize that we need God, and also recognize that the world around us need Him. Church, they need a, an alive God. They need a God that is real. They need a God that will love on them and bring them hope into their circumstances. You know, I've, uh, I uh, have been hearing of uh, lots of testimonies uh, lately, and I love testimonies. Like, Becky this morning came out for prayer with a sore shoulder, and I told her, well, I believe God's healed you, Becky. And she's like, well, it feels different. It feels good. And she's praising God. Look at this. Amen. Come on. God is good. God is so good. And, uh, you know, I, I was praying this, uh, for this morning this week, and I was like, God, let people be encouraged. Let people be inspired by you, that you are alive and that you are not dead. And so I've asked Jess, Jess, where are you? There you are, Jess. I've asked Jess to share a testimony for us uh, this morning. Come on up. Welcome her up, church. Because when I heard this testimony, it's awesome, and I want you all to hear it this morning as well. Thank you. 
Um, so three months ago, my uncle was diagnosed with terminal cancer, melanoma, and they said there was no way they could treat it and they gave him six weeks to live. He was only 42. And so um, I came to Monday night prayer and asked for prayer. We all gathered around and then uh, we prayed. And then last Monday he did a PET scan and he has no active cancer in his body at all. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Come on, let's praise God for a moment right now. God, we honor you. Lord, you are good. And Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would help us to be aware of your presence in this place and to open ourselves up to what you want to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. You know, church, God wants to move amongst us. He wants to move in our lives and through our lives. You know, this morning in the room next door is one of my younger brothers. His name is Jacob. Jacob has been uh, almost taken out by the enemy twice in his life now. Once when he was born, he was born dead for 30 minutes. He had no breath in his body. 30 minutes. Now, obviously, anyone would understand that that's, that's an issue. It's, that's probably not the way you want a baby to be born. And uh, my parents were praying and interceding for God to move into that circumstance, into that situation. And 30 minutes after, the power of God came over my dad and he looked down at the child and the Spirit of God, the breath of God came out of my dad and he pointed at my brother Jacob and said, live! And he went like this. <gasps> Life, life-giving words are the words that you and I carry, church. You and I carry the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He lives inside of us and you and I are able to speak with the power and authority of the Word of God. Every minute after that, my brother started to take another breath, another breath. My dad actually had to help him learn how to breathe, breathing in and helping him to breathe out. And eventually, Jacob started to be able to breathe on his own. And the devil, you better believe it, was in the, the mind of my dad going, you, you've ruined your son's life. You, you should have, you know, you should have done more than this. You know, he's going to be brain dead now. He's going to have issues. He's going to be a vegetable. You know what? The, the government, they're going to take all the rest of your kids away from you. And all of this words of lies. But Jacob is one of the smartest boys in our family. <laughs> Like, got an OP2 at school, got a scholarship for university for psychology, saw angels around our home when he was younger. And then another time when we were, uh, a whole bunch of us were in a four-wheel drive, driving, and we rolled down a mountain multiple times. The guy who pulled us out was like, and they're all alive. And they're all alive. He's like, none of them should be alive. All of us were alive. And Jacob was another one that was in that car. I was in that car. I was the only one that actually got hurt that time. But a miracle of God on my own body. You could see the bone here. Bits of fat hanging out either side, cupping blood after a handful of blood. And the next day, my whole family, except me, I was so annoyed, literally, <laughs> literally saw this. You can look at it after church if you want to literally saw it close up before their eyes. It was that quick, praying over it, and it just started to close up. And I didn't get to see it, because I'm lying down like this on the bed, and I'm just, I literally, the, the joy of the Lord came over me, and I was just laughing uncontrollably. And I'm lying there like this, and I got up to, to look at it, and Dad's like, no, don't move, just in case. I'm like, oh! And he's like, honey, quick, bring the kids! So they all got to watch except me. Now, I got to see the end result, 
But still, it would have been cool to watch like flesh grow back before their very eyes. I cannot deny that God is real. And I know many of you are in this room and you've experienced God enough in your life to know that God is real, that God is alive, He is not dead. And I want to encourage you, don't listen to the lies of the enemy and lean in to what God has for you, for your life. Now, healing is not the goal. Salvation is the goal. Because even if healing doesn't come, well, you're instantaneously healed when you pass from this life to the next. Salvation is the goal of Christ, not healing. But healing is just one of the many benefits that we are allowed to access in our relationship with God. Church, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He always was, He always will be, and He will be forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning a message that I've entitled, Don't Look Left, Don't Look Right, Just Look at Him. Let's pray, church, before we open the Word. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that we would be encouraged by your word, that we would be inspired by your word. Lord, let it change us. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would do a work in our heart, in our mind, that we would be renewed this morning by the washing of the word over our mind, causing lies to go, causing doubt and fear to go. Holy Spirit, we ask that we would be aware of the peace of Jesus that we would be encouraged this morning by your word. And Lord God, that you would do in our lives what only you can do. We pray this and everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, church, this morning, I've been praying all week for what to share for the first message that I would preach to you all for 2023. Obviously, the first Sunday of the year, we had a time of uh, worship and prayer that, that I led here. But I was like, this is going to be my first preach. God, what do you want to say through me to our family at Morayfield? And uh, I was, straight away, the woman with the alabaster jar just came to me. And uh, for, for a number of different reasons. One of our amazing young mums in this church uh, got a word for me last year. And uh, it's just been sitting on my spirit around this as well. And then the woman who pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus just came to me and I'm like, all right, I can, I like this. I can see where, I can see where this is, is going and just praying into it. And then Friday night at Planet Shakers Conference at the RICC in Brisbane, I'm in there, I'm worshipping and I just have this incredible moment with God. And then Pastor Mark Varagies gets up and preaches and what are the two passages he has to, to share on? The woman with the alabaster box, I'm like, no way. Okay, God, that is confirmation if I've ever seen it. And then and he starts preaching off the back of that, of reading that. And then he brings up the woman who pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of the garment. She's, I'm like, all right, God, that's enough. That is enough confirmation. That is what we're doing as a church. I am so excited to preach this, this morning. And what I've done, you'll, it'll be on the screen behind me. What I've done is I've actually combined from the Scriptures the three passages together into one, because this story is shared in three different Gospels, in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And so what I did, rather than reading all three, I literally spent time merging them together for this morning for us, so that we could read them and have the full account, the full story, what these three boys of Jesus saw and heard and were reminded of as they wrote their Gospels, merged into one, because there's a lot of sentences that were literally double-ups. 
So I took all of them out and merged them together. And so we're going to read three books of the Bible at once right now. How cool is that? It's, it's practically like watching the Chosen series together. It's like, there's just so much in those. It is awesome. You know, uh, someone, I won't mention who, but someone uh, told me at Planet Shakers that they finally started watching it a week ago, and they said they've barely been able to turn it off. And they're like, Pastor, I see what you mean now. I see what you mean now. Like, wow. I'm telling you, if you're not watching it yet, you're missing out. Get on it. All right, let's go. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 11, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, and Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 16. So, team, Hayden, you're going to have to be super uh, on point here and follow along word for word because there's no scripture verses uh, because of what I've done. So, it goes like this. It was now two days before Passover, and the festival of unleavened bread the leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to catch up, capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, one of the Pharisees, who asked Jesus to have dinner with him, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there and she came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love Jesus. So good. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. I love that the dialogue is just so raw like that. It's crazy. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Amen. Why do you suppose love? Who sorry? Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, "I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt." That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, "Man, he should have known that Jesus set him up, <laughs> like." Such a simple question, which can only be answered one way. Like the guy, the guy should have picked it up straight away. But his heart was clearly hardened, which is crazy to think after what miracle that he had had performed on his own life. It's incredible sometimes how quickly people forget. He turns to Simon, I love this, at the dinner table, at Simon's dinner table, in Simon's home, that Simon has invited him to, to dine with him, to eat meat, and and all of the guests that Simon would have had to go, Jesus is at my house. Well, in front of all of these people, Jesus is now directing this next statement at him. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, (laughs) but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me. Man, can you imagine? I'd be like, how do I get out? (laughs) How do I get out? Like, talk about the fear of man. Talk about the fear of intimidation. Like, this is intense. This is intense. You didn't greet me with a kiss. 
But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? That he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What an incredible statement. Your faith. You know, there was a lot of miracles when it was the faith of the people that caused the result. Jesus looked at her and said, your faith has saved you. Think about those words. Go in peace. Some of those at the table, the disciples, were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. He could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. (laughs) I do not understand people sometimes. Just be kind, honestly. Like, just recognize what God has done in our own life and just be kind to human beings around us. Like, in the midst of what's just going on, you think they would have clicked that Simon's just had a lecture. Like, maybe don't open your mouth. (laughs) It's like, maybe don't, just don't talk. Just let Jesus do what God is so good at doing, which is loving on all human beings. It's incredible. Scolding her. Jesus, aware of this, replied. (laughs) I was like, oh, I just would have left. I just would have walked out of the room. I need the toilet, sorry. (laughs) Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could, pouring this perfume on me and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. You know, what what a powerful thing that this woman was used to do because his body was never going to be able to be attended to after his death because it wasn't going to be there. It was going to rise. How, How incredible, how amazing. And then Judas, Judas Iscariot, unbelievable. One of the 12 went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? They were delighted when they heard why he had come. And they promised to give him some money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Like seriously, the very thing that is going to be the bitumen in heaven, gold that we will walk on, paving the streets that you and I will waltz around on in the very heavenly places in God's kingdom was something that Judas was like, just give me a little bit of it now because that is what I want. You know, Jesus is awesome. Jesus of Nazareth, 
without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and the Napoleon. Without science, he shed more light on things human and divine than all philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since, and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator and poet. Without writing a single line, he has set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons than any other has ever done. You know, without physically building this church or paying literally for the chairs that you sit in, it is Him that has built this house. And it is Him that is the reason that you and I are sitting in this place today. Come on, all glory to Jesus Christ. He is everything and He is more than enough for you and I and He is everything you need. Jesus is the answer. Let me unpack this a little bit because there's a lot in this, especially when you put three passages together. So, Jesus had healed the man of leprosy. Isn't it incredible, though, that it's not him that we're preaching about? It was the woman. It's not him that we are remembering. It's the act of the woman that we are remembering. You know, there should have been a much greater response from this guy. Because he'd been healed. And he was literally dining with the Messiah. But his heart was hardened. He was allowing the the issues of the man to his left and to his right to dictate his response of worship to Jesus who is right in front of him. You know, this woman was willing to worship him no matter what. Not, not, a, not, not in the temple, not in the synagogue, not at church on Sunday, not, not even in a private place, but a public display of affection, a public display of love. Humbled an unashamed act of humility. She recognized that she'd been saved from hell. In a male-dominated society, she was willing to walk past all of them to get to Jesus. The woman anointed him with the best, something that caused the indignant disciples to think, man, we could have sold this for a whole year's wages. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a spur of the moment. Clearly, she was decided in this act. She wanted to do this. She was willing to have and take the best of her life and go and find Jesus and break it open so that not even a little bit of the expensive nard would stay on the inside of that box. No, all of it for Jesus. I'm not going to keep even the tiniest bit for me. I'm going to give it all to him, the best that I have, nothing left. I love it. Being a great sinner, she did not walk away like those who dropped their stones when Christ defended and protected the woman caught in adultery. No, she chose to walk to him. She chose to take that walk of shame, so to speak, to him and not hide away because of who she was She was willing to go to great lengths to show her gratitude, to show her love to Jesus. She wept. She knew who she was. She uncontrollably wept for the sin that was in her life. She uncontrollably wept. How can I receive love as great as this? I am not worthy to receive love as great as this. She washed his feet and dried them with her hair. How close, how close she got. She could never repay him, so she worshipped him. She chose to live for Jesus unashamedly. 
She could not stop kissing his feet. Such an extravagant act of love, of worship, of recognition of what Jesus had really done for her. It was an act of faith responded with salvation. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. It was an act of love responded with honor and memorial. You know, the very thing that all of the men that were in the room were probably chasing and seeking, she got it. Honor above all of them, respect and memorial that she would be remembered for all time wherever the good news of Jesus will be preached, this woman will be preached about also. I love that. Extravagant love, extravagant generosity. I want to encourage you, church, to be a church this year that doesn't look left, that doesn't look right, but just keep your eyes fixed on Him and with extravagant love and generosity, worship your King. Worship the Savior of the world. Worship your Savior, your Messiah, your Jesus. Worship Him like there's no one else in the room because He is worthy. And what He has saved you from is worth looking a little bit foolish to the man around you so that you can encounter more of the presence of Jesus Christ and go out in peace. Three people I want to encourage you not to be this morning. Don't be a Judas. Don't be a Judas. Don't allow the sinful desires in your heart to overcome your desires for Jesus. Judas allowed the love of money to steal away his salvation. If you look for something else to fulfill you, it'll only end up hurting you. And you'll be worse off than where you were. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't get caught up in cheap and easy religion. Because it's not cheap and it's not easy. The road is narrow and difficult and it will cost you your soul. Don't do just enough and live like you've only been saved from a little. And don't be an indignant disciple. Don't think about what you don't have and what someone else's generosity could have been used for. Don't allow your lack to determine how you worship God because someone else has more. Don't allow that because you have everything you need. You have more than what you need. If you have Jesus in your life, you are complete. You have everything. Because what good work He started, the Bible says He's going to finish in your life. You don't need anything else. If you get something else, all praise and glory to God. But if you don't, He is more than enough. Don't think about someone else's love for Jesus as shameful, but see that it is because of their shame being removed, their multitude of sins being covered, that they love Jesus with all that they are. Don't judge someone else's act of worship. Don't allow someone else's act of worship to deter you from Christ. If you don't think, oh, I could never love Jesus that much. Don't think about that. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just look at Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's, he was this woman's answer and he is your answer. Lean in. Engage. Engage in your relationship with Jesus. Allow His love for you to overwhelm you this year. Start this year with dedicated time in His presence. Have a date with Jesus. 
calendarize it if you need to. If you get to the end of this week coming and you haven't spent personal time with Jesus, I want to encourage you, don't say you didn't have time because you did have time. You had 24 hours in a day. You might work eight, nine of them. You might sleep seven, eight of them. What do you do with the other eight? Because there's 24 of them in a day. If you work eight, nine, 10 hours, 11 hours, and you sleep six, seven, eight, whatever, there's still five or six hours. Set a date in your calendar. Calendarize it if you have to, or do whatever you have to do to spend some time with Jesus. Because if it pops up on your phone and reminds you to not look left and to not look right, but to just look at Him, then I encourage you, you're going to start to experience the love and the peace of God in your life. Let's talk about Jesus for a moment. I love the response of Jesus. He allowed her to perform the act. Wow. Just think for a moment about what you would do if you were Jesus. Would you feel uncomfortable with someone like that? Touching you, kissing your feet, nonstop, crying, causing a scene, pouring perfume all over you, causing issues with the, with the people in the room. What would you do? How would you respond? Jesus allowed her. Jesus protected her defended her, honoured her, comforted her, released her, inspired her and told all of the people in the room that she, what she had done was what he was happy about. Jesus loves humans. You know, people don't choose to be born where they're born. People don't choose what country that they are born in. People don't choose what faith or religion their parents impose on them. Jesus loves human beings. This woman recognized that it was all because of Jesus that she was forgiven and she was willing to do whatever it would take to honor him. She was willing to put herself out. She was willing to get as close to Jesus as she could to ensure that she was able to love him in return, to say yes to Jesus, to receive his forgiveness and to love on him with all that she was and with all that she had because she recognized that without him, she had nothing. With him, she had everything. Jesus was her answer. Well, there was another woman that recognized this very same thing and she was willing to do whatever it took to break every law, to break every society requirement, to push through a crowd as an unclean person to get to the hem of Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to 34. Jesus went with him. The synagogue leader had just come and begged Jesus to come and follow him to his home because his little daughter was really sick and he wanted Jesus to heal her. And on the way, this miracle takes place. All the people followed him, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. You know, I believe that if you've been suffering with something that is constant, that this morning God is going to set you free of that constant issue in your life because He hears your cry at night. He feels the pain with you. 
She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She'd heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? let alone being like bumped, (laughs) like if your shirt gets touched, like it's hard to feel that sometimes. Like I used to play touch football and you'd clip someone on on like a sleeve that was like poking out and you'd you'd yell touch them, now man, they'd fire up at you. No, you didn't, you're lying. So I touch you, touch your shirt. How did Jesus know? Because it wasn't, I mean, there's, there's like probably hundreds on this street around him. Picture it, a crowd following Jesus, not just a few, a crowd following Jesus, all pressing up around him. He could tell because something left him. Something was taken, something was drawn out of Jesus. Power left him in that moment, all because someone touched the hem of his garment. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask, who touched me? But he kept on looking around. I love that. I can just picture it. Like, his boy, he's going, geez, how can you do that? And he's just like, yeah, someone touched me. Who was it? And he just keeps looking around because he realized there's something that happened. And the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He said to her daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Your faith has made you well, go in peace. It's incredible. What a miracle. I love that these are the sorts of things that we get to read about in Scripture. You know, this in this moment was a display of perfect synergy of faith and works in action. Because just to have faith is not enough. The demons believe in Jesus and they won't be saved. You have all the faith in the world if you want, but if you don't put it into action, if you don't respond and lean into your relationship with Jesus, you will not see the fruit of that faith in your life. You have to put it into actions. Works are required, but you can't just work because our works are useless without God. It has to be faith and works in action. You see, you and I need to position ourselves in our relationship with Jesus. And we should. You and I need to position ourselves close to Him to experience His presence, and we need to. You and I need to press into Him through the crowd, through the people to the left and to my right to be able to get close to Him. But if Jesus is not there and if you can't touch His robe, then it doesn't matter how much pressing or pursuing or works you do, it has to have Jesus involved to see something happen. It was His robe. Man-made is not a miracle. Power, the glory of God, has to be revealed in order for it to be a miracle of God. It takes Jesus to be involved. We cannot do it without Him. We cannot do it alone. 
Church, you and I, this perfect picture, this synergy between the faith of this woman and the works that she committed to be able to get to Jesus. But even if she had all the faith and all the works, if Jesus wasn't involved, church, you and I, we still need Jesus. He is alive. He is not dead. And the world out there still needs Jesus. They are his answer. And you and I carry the very power that God carried all locked up in Jesus. You and I are able to, as what Jesus, to do what Jesus did. And Jesus said, even greater. Come on, do you want it? Do you want to see it in your life? Come on, if you're believing for something and you can achieve it, stop believing for it. It's not worth it. Don't pursue that. Because God's not involved. If you can do it, if you can manage it, if you can handle it, then God doesn't need to be involved. But dream a little bigger. Pray a little more. Pray something that would be inspiring, that would cause Jesus to marvel and be amazed at your prayer and your faith. Pray sunstand still prayers this year. Honor the cross in your prayers. Can I get the band to come back, please? Come on, church, who made you? Jesus. Who designed you? Jesus. Who created you? Who gave you life? Who breathed his very breath into your lungs and gives you the ability to breathe in and out, in and out, in and out? His name is Jesus. Who knows the number of your days, even the number of hairs on your head? His name is Jesus. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. And he wants the best for you. He's the most qualified, most invested, and most ever present. He wants you. He does not desire the difficulties or the issues or the trials or the tribulations that we go through. But he takes us through them. He allows us to go through some stuff because it grows us. It strengthens us. It helps us to realize that we need him. It helps us to realize that with the power of God, we can come out of those situations. Why allow us to go through stuff, church? Because then we'll see His hand at work bringing us through it, and we'll have the faith to then take that out to the world around us. There is purpose in it all. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It is for all humanity. Come on, would you stand to your feet as I bring our service to a close this morning and just start to engage in your relationship with Jesus.